My name's Tom Kearney. This is the Tom Kearney Show on WTTF, and it says 906. It's flipped over 907. We're here with the Tom Kearney Show every night, Monday through Friday from 9 until 10, with a little bit of live and real-time radio, and we try to bring you things that are pertinent and of interest uh, uh, that uh, are informative and entertaining. We do not usually do politics, but other than that, uh, we, we have take on most other challenges, and one of the ones that I think listeners like most, and I certainly like it as a host and and talking to my guests, whomever it may be, uh, is to talk about the weather. And uh, I don't know, somebody like Ben Franklin said you can never go wrong talking about the weather. Or maybe he said everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. Well, nobody can do anything about it, but the way to know how to deal with it is to get a good weatherman or not a good meteorologist, and we have one. His name is Rod Gonski. He worked for many years for the National Weather Service, stationed at the Raleigh-Durham base. The the Weather Service was actually located at a couple of different places, but I think their instruments were at Raleigh-Durham International Airport. And Rod retired, but uh, shifted over to working uh, with with weather and meteorology in the private uh, field. And so, and, and he's been willing to come back and visit with us. So I get to say hello, Ron. How are hey, you? Hey, Tom. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's it's always good to hear you, and I wanted you to come so you could take a look back at the weather from last year and uh, maybe give us an idea of what's coming up more immediately and maybe long distance if you feel like it. Okay, Tom. Are you ready to go? <laughs> I'm all fired up, yes. Okay. Yeah, so it's coming into uh, uh, a rather interesting uh, winter setup here across uh, the southeastern United States and in most of the country, actually. Uh maybe one of the more interesting uh, weather patterns that we've had in recent winters. You know, I look back at uh, the last couple of years that we've had, uh, winter times, that is, and it's interesting because uh, uh, the last two years, the last two cool periods, or, or last two cool seasons that we've had here in, the, in North Carolina and the southeast, the Novembers have been above normal, you know, warmer than normal, followed by, uh, uh, excuse me, the other way around, I'm sorry. November's have been colder than uh, than normal the previous two years, followed by a warm winter month of uh, December, January, and February. Uh, this year, we've had a we had a warmer November, and so far, uh, you know, the the preliminary figures for December show that most of the southeast had cooler than normal temperatures. And uh, it, you know, looking ahead at some of the uh, the longer-range uh, models for the next few weeks, uh, it looks like we're going to be uh, uh, a good deal cooler than, than normal over the long term here. And, uh, and, the, and the, the other aspect of that is that the, uh, the previous couple of years, storm tracks have been generally uh, uh, far, to the, far to the north of us whenever there was cold air around, uh, and we tended to be you know, more mild in general. And you know, the last Last year, we hardly had any snow at all, uh, and that was only uh, uh, briefly in February, I believe, that we had two and a half inches while the temperatures on the ground were still actually above freezing. So we had much, not much going on uh, last year or the year before. Uh, it, it, we haven't had a good uh, helping of snow here in, in central North Carolina since uh, about the, uh, I think it was the 9th of December back in uh, 2018. So that's a little bit over two years now since we've had a good snowstorm. And uh, so, you know, people are uh, perhaps a little bit rusty as far as uh, remembering, uh, you know, what to do in a snow, 
snow and or ice storm, but uh, we may have to brush up on some of those rules and some of those uh, cautions in the next few weeks here uh, across central North Carolina. I want you to be careful now. One of the things that we is we can have a little fun with this, and I'm I'm uh, kind of a weather and in some, <laughs> some other areas a superstitious person. And I often, we talked about this, I think, the last time you were on here. Maybe it was when Nick was here, but I think it was when you were here. Uh, that that uh, day in late uh, January uh, in the year 2000, uh, or yeah. that night, actually, when I kept getting up about every hour and looking out and thinking, it's going to stop snowing sometime. And we ended up, I think, with between 20 and 21 inches of snow. So, and and I, I that was 21 what, years ago. 21 years ago on January 25th, uh, 20 uh, or 2000. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that's still lodged in my memory too because I was going to work at about 10 o'clock that evening. Uh, well, I, I just remember uh, the guy, a friend of mine who worked at the radio station, who was an engineer came on a four-wheel drive vehicle and took me to work every day. I would I would never gotten out of the driveway, and, and there was snow piled up on, the, on the, the, the new campus over there where you are in March that had been put right. off to the side. And so uh, I'm just a little – and I, I heard a weather guy, I think he was on the Weather Channel, say that uh, uh, in, the, in North Carolina, because he was talking about the fact that we may have a little bit of snow this weekend. You can talk about that. In well, actually, uh, Tom, I'm looking at it right now uh, on the computer, and uh, yeah, there could be a mixture of uh, some flakes in the uh, in the overall rain pattern uh, as uh, on Friday, as a matter of fact. And um, the the thing about it, uh, this first surge coming out, as we we say, uh, is that basically it's it's going to be warm for the most part. I mean, like above freezing. It, it's not a situation like we sometimes have where you have a, a real massive cold air mass with high pressure to the north holding that cold air in. Uh, that's, that's what so often gets us into problems in the past. But this one doesn't have that cold air high to the north. And so whatever cold air comes with the uh, uh, precipitation to cause it to change the snow will be with the system itself, which is, which is possible. If you have a, a, a strong system and it... Uh, uh, it lowers the pressure suddenly aloft. You can get that cold air to descend all the way down to almost to the surface, and that will give you a sort of a, a, a very large pattern of snowflakes that will hit the ground. And if it's if it's fat, if it falls fast enough, it'll start accumulating on you. It makes it very tricky to try to predict that, though. I mean, there's so many things going on, uh, and it, but the ground should be fairly warm, and uh, I would imagine that. If we do get any accumulation, it would be on uh, uh, grassy surfaces or, you know, on, on the mulch or on, on surfaces that uh, are not, not in direct contact with the ground but, uh, you know, are elevated somewhat. One of the, the things that I've learned, having lived in this part of the world all my life from, from you over the recent years that I think is fascinating is that a lot of the cold air we get does not come to us from the West. A lot of the you know the, the systems that move across the country, and there are some moving across the country right now, and you may want to address that a little bit later. But they tend to be funneled up the Ohio River Valley and up into western West Virginia, western Pennsylvania, western New York, and then across perhaps to New England or wherever. But a lot of the cold air we get is kind of spillover that comes down from from D.C. in that area, uh, east you, of the mountains. You've learned and observed very well, Tom. Yeah, well, no, I've learned it from you, as a matter of fact. <laughs> no, you, you are exactly right. You are exactly right, uh, Tom, because 
uh, over the years, we've uh, we've been one of the signals that we look for uh, persistent cold air in this area is, is not is not the type that comes out of the northwest and the midwest. I, although that will that will get you cold in a hurry with the wind coming across the mountains, but for the persistent type of cold, the kind of cold that hangs in for for days uh, and causes its own kind of weather here in, in central North Carolina. That originates, uh, as you said, uh, it comes around the north side of the mountains and then comes down the coast from New England and New York and the Delmarva area into, uh, into the Carolinas. And then it gets uh, what we call um, damped by the, by, the, uh, by the Appalachians, okay? Even though the Appalachians are only, uh, what, four to 6,000 feet, uh, they hold that cold air in over us. Uh, in the Piedmont area, and it is hard to move out. So in, in those kinds of situations, this time of year, if you have a weather system coming up from the south with, with warm, moist air, it overrides that shallow cold air that's sometimes below freezing, and that'll give you a, an ice storm here in central North Carolina more often than a snowstorm. So uh, January uh, is, is, you know, is known for ice storms here, as a matter of fact. We typically... See ice storms here more times in January than we do in, in some of the other times of uh, the winter. I stop right there because you've, you've set up something really nice now. You mentioned earlier that it's 21 years since the big snowstorm. Of, That's uh, right. The year 2000. Well, on uh, January 20th, um, I think I'm right about this, 2005, the day that the yes. president was to be inaugurated, is the day that it got cold enough and we had just a tiny little bit of moisture on top of it, everything, <laughs> and it, it, it froze to about a quarter of an inch, and it stopped everything. You, you remember yeah. that day? Actually, that was January 19th of 2005, uh, so it's almost 15 years I it was, now. I knew it was near the presidential uh, inauguration, and that's how I remembered it. I knew it was... I was one day off. It was the day before the president was inaugurated, uh, George Bush's second inauguration. Well, let's talk about that just for a moment and then go on to yeah, other things. Absolutely, because hold on, I want to take a break first. I want that, that okay. was a tease. I want people to okay, be uh, uh, hunkering down and waiting to hear what Rod Gonski is going to have to say about what we learned to call the great gridlock of 2005 right after this. With our guest tonight, Rod Gonski, meteorologist extraordinaire and uh, frequent guest. And when he comes, we talk about the weather. And I'll, I will point out that uh, uh, Nick Petro comes to visit with us. He comes from the official weather station where Rod used to work. And we tend to get data and predictions and everything there, although we talk, talk broadly. But when Rod comes, we, we sort of talk about weather philosophy and why things happen and when they happen and a little history here and there. And we were entertaining a little history about what we call the Great Gridlock. Rod, that embarrassed Raleigh, I think, in front of the whole country, because I remember it was on, like, NBC News or ABC or something. Raleigh, ground to a halt today. That's right. I can remember the cameras uh, on on, uh, national news, uh, and they were actually looking at traffic uh, on Lake Boone Trail, I think it was, between the uh, uh, Ridge Road and Blue Ridge Road up as it goes toward the Rex Hospital, and people... We're in that sort of a, a valley, and they could they couldn't get out going in either direction, either close to Raleigh or away from Raleigh, and that was on national news. 
<laughs> well, I think there were some school, there were some school children that did not go home that night. They stayed. That's right. They spent the night overnight at uh, at the schools uh, in in many in many cases, and and those people who typically have like a fifteen minute uh, drive home from work uh, were sometimes uh, taking hours to get home, uh, exactly. and, and if they if at all. So it was really uh, it was really amazing. But Tom, uh, there's a few things to learn there, and uh, one. You know, one thing that uh, people should always keep in mind is that uh, if you if you see precipitation starting uh, in the dead of winter like this, and the temperatures in the morning starting out like around 20 degrees, uh, you can bet that uh, the pavement is going to be cold, and it's going to be very uh, uh, inviting for that precipitation to turn to ice, even if it comes down as snow. If you have a surface that that cold, and then you press something on it, like a car tire, it's going to turn to ice, and that's exactly what happened uh, with uh, with this storm here. There was barely a mention of a flurry in the forecast. You know, just snow flurries at the most, I think it was. And well, it turned out to be not much of anything, just some snow showers. But the fact is that that it caught uh, you know the highways, uh, you know, highway people by surprise. Uh, you know, with just the mention of a few flurries, who, was, who would think that it was going to be a causing a problem? But the one thing is that the snow showers just were uh, just a little bit heavier, maybe around nine or ten o'clock in the morning, than um, than than people thought of as snow flurries, and everybody started panicking and uh, and heading outdoors and hit the roads right away. Uh, and of course, without any treatment on the roads, and uh, with the temperatures being as cold as they were where they were coming from, you know, all, any even that slight amount of precipitation turned to ice. And uh, you know, these things are not endemic to, to to Central North Carolina. This this type of thing happens even up north, but you don't hear about it as much. And it also has happened down in Atlanta a few years later. So. Uh, yeah. You know, it, sometimes it just catches you off guard without uh, any treatment on the road. So the best thing is to is to watch the temperature where it's coming from. Now, on this situation on Friday, we're going to be warmer than freezing and probably just getting down to freezing, uh, you know, if it starts snowing fairly heavy uh, at any point. You know, I, I don't anticipate a heavy snowfall, but, you know, the rate of precipitation may be such that, uh, that you know, people begin to wonder, and and, uh, and but the temperature will be coming just barely coming down to freezing rather than than coming up from below. So the chances of having much of any kind of ice or anything uh, accumulating on the roads is pretty nominal. Well, you know something that that that, that I, I want to speak about for a moment is being a good Southern boy and being here most of my life, and and we have a lot of folks who have come to live with us who lived in, say, New York or Ohio or Pennsylvania, and not unlike yourself, who started out life in Massachusetts. And uh, That's right. They, they they make light of the fact that, you know, schools closed or something when, with an inch of snow. Well, they said, we had a young lady who came to work at WPTF many years ago who came from Philadelphia, and she lived, I think, out south of Raleigh. And she said she had to come early in the morning. She said her husband would bring her that they were from the north and they knew how to drive in snow. What they didn't know about was what you have in the south, and that is that sheen of ice under the snow that right. uh, left her in a ditch after about a mile. And uh, and uh, I mean, well, I used to have a friend who lived in Schenectady, and what they get a hundred inches a year, 
and he had no problem driving in the snow. It was just when he got on ice. Right. And I can remember right. when when I our studios moved out to North Raleigh. I went to my service mm-hmm. station and said, "I want some chains." And uh, the guy there, who I knew well and was much experienced, he said, "I had a Honda, front wheel drive." He said, "Right, when you get to where you can't get where you need to go on that car, time you should stay home." Is what you should do. That's right. <laughs> well, you know. It is a different culture down here for those who are just moving down from the north. Uh, and, and granted, you know, snow and ice are a much more frequent problem up north. And so you learn, uh, I learned how to drive in the snow and ice. I mean, that was part of my driver's education pretty much. And, and you learn how to turn with the, you know, with the skid and, and not apply the brakes really hard so that, you know, uh, that you maintain control uh, of the car. You know, so familiarity does, suggest that these you know people can drive but uh but the problem is is that most little towns here in in the south you know snow is such an irregular thing that it's hard to budget for uh plows and treatment like you do up north uh because you know typically here if it occurs it'll melt in a day and people can go about their business without having any any problem up there up in New York, if, if snow falls in January uh, and you don't do anything about it, it's probably still going to be there on the roads for several days, if not weeks. Well, no, no, exactly, and it's just it's just not uh, uh, efficient uh, in terms of expenditures. And plus, um, you can stay home a day or two, and then everything will be. I, I had a friend who uh, his wife wanted to buy a four-wheel drive vehicle because we had had a snowstorm, and you know they hadn't been able to go for two days. But that was the only two days that year that they hadn't been able to go. If you get my drift, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you, you know, I'm just, you know, it's like my service station guy said, stay home. And then when it's when, it's, right. when it's melted, uh, you can go. And and one of the things we've become used to in our virus-ridden world is staying home. We know how to do that now too. So. Well, we do. We've, we've had a lot of practice now, and and I've been uh, collecting books and, uh, and and doing all sorts of things that I probably would never have uh, taken the time out to do while here I'm here mostly at home. Rod Gonski, our extremely well-read meteorologist, he was recommending a book to me tonight, and uh, we'll come back to that toward the end of the program if he doesn't mind. Uh, because no, not knows, at all. He knows a particular author that I like to read. It's a guy named Simon Winchester, and it. It's a, it's a good book, but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. What we're doing now is coming up on the half-hour news, and uh, we're going to pause for that, and then we'll come back and talk some more about the weather with Ron Gonski, meteorologist, and we'll find out what's going on in the world. And, of course, there's an election in Georgia today that we'll uh, have to take uh, account of. You should pause and promote a little bit of what's coming up. Uh, this is Tuesday night, of course, and Rod Gonski is our guest. Tomorrow night will be a nostalgia night, one of those nights when we look back and uh, identify something that uh, we uh, have an attitude toward and see if we can uh, uh, assay that attitude and to find out if it's if it's gone or if it's going to come back. And with the world the way it has been recently because of health problems and, and otherwise, uh, a lot of things are apparently going to be uh, yearned for and create some nostalgia. Uh, Thursday night, uh, Austin Maddox will be here to talk about stamps and coins, and Friday night will be Friday night trivia night, and at least part of the trivia on Friday night will be about uh, Elvis Presley. It is the anniversary of his birthday. He was born 
on the January the 8th in the year 1935. So that's what's coming up for the rest of this week. But tonight we're talking about the weather. Rod, I'm not sure where, where yeah. we should go from now. I, I will say that in November, no, excuse me, October, I think it was about October 23rd when the National Weather Service uh, put out its sort of climatological uh, prophecy for what the winter was going to be like for the nation as a whole. <laughs> It's you know, I was going to mention that, Tom. Okay, go for it. Go the for reason it. Why I was going to mention it is because so far it's been almost directly opposite of what uh, what was being forecast for the season. <laughs> and uh, you know, so much for seasonal forecasts. Some so what, uh, but uh, what we what the forecast for for the winter was uh, that was released in late October was for uh, colder than normal uh, temperatures up in the north country and up into uh, uh, the northern part of our country into Canada and warmer than normal temperatures across the south from, uh, uh, you know, from, from Southern California all the way across uh, to Florida and the southeast here. And, uh, and what we've seen so far uh, in, in December, at least, has been uh, almost opposite that. We've had uh, much warmer temperatures up uh, uh, well to the north of us and, uh, and uh, basically normal to slightly below normal temperatures across the, the deep south. So uh, things are going to have to, I guess, change a, a bit in order for that seasonal forecast to come about, and it still might. I mean, there, there, we could easily flip in, in February to where we get a much warmer uh, uh, period and things turn around. Right now, uh, you know, so far this winter, we've seen uh, pretty much the opposite of what the seasonal forecast was. The other aspect of that was uh, a lot of the seasonal forecast was based on La Nina out in the uh, uh, out in the uh, Pacific, and uh, La Nina is the, the cold the cold phase uh, of uh, the Southern Oscillation, as they call it, and uh, and that uh, connects to the weather across uh, North America in a way that typically gives uh, the uh, southern United States uh, warm, dry conditions. And, uh, and the other aspect of, of uh, what I was going to say is that uh, we've had much wetter conditions here in the southeast and, uh, and up along the east coast than, uh, than you know, we've seen uh, uh, with typical La Nina. So things are really uh, out of whack with regard to the way uh, some of these climate trends and some of the... Uh, the seasonal forecasting is uh, for this year so far. Uh, but looking back at uh, 2020, uh, you know, we had, uh, we had, we've had a much uh, wetter period here in the Southeast uh, pretty much the entire year of 2020. There were really no, um, there were no real uh, dry spells uh, to speak of, not much drought at all uh, here in the Southeast. Where the droughts have occurred, though, is in the Southwest part of the United States. And uh, that looks like it's going to continue out there. So, uh, 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 so anyways, we, we've been actually in a very favorable position for, for weather the past year here in the southeast with warmer and wetter conditions. And, of course, uh, vegetation has responded. And, uh, um, you know, I've seen triple growth on some plants around here that we typically only see, you know, one, one series of growth. But I know I've had to prune my hedges about three times uh, this year, as a matter of fact, I just ended up pruning uh, the hedges again uh, last week. So, um, so there's a lot of growth on uh, on trees and shrubs and other plants this year. 
Well, my my perception has been, and and and, and it's just me, of course, uh, is that we've been reasonably warm because we've had to do our heads two or three. Somebody does our heads for us. Now I'm too old to do it, but uh, it's yeah. had to be done two or three times. And some of my wife's flowers in the backyard uh, are are blooming that maybe shouldn't be blooming. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> and so I'm, you know, I, I sit, I enjoy looking out at them, but I I have noticed that. Uh, uh, and there has, of course, has been plenty of water for them. In fact, I, I think at the end of the year, I heard some. I listen to weather forecast all day, and you know, go to the website of the National Weather Service first thing in the morning. I think we were about ten inches ahead. In yeah, actually more year. than that. Uh, okay. For the year, Tom, uh, we were twenty-seven percent above normal for the year, which translates to uh, you know our normal is like forty-three inches for the entire year. And uh, we were over 55 inches uh, this past year. So uh, quite a substantial more rain. As far as the flowers uh, blooming, uh, you know, here you, you, you live, you know, inside the Beltline, inside Raleigh, and uh, I do also. And uh, the temperatures don't go down as far at nighttime. So a lot of times, uh, you know, because of the urban heat island, the, the temperatures at night stay warm. And so... You don't have as much uh, frost on the ground, as much freezing going on, and that uh, allows the uh, the flowering bulbs and other flowers like camellias to continue to bloom right into uh, right into the depths of winter. Sometimes here, well, you picked the, the exact flower that that she has brought a couple of blossoms in, you know, and floated them in a little bowl of water, and you know, for us to look at. But camellias are what we've we've got that have have bloomed and. Sometimes they get tricked because it's warm enough, and then all of a sudden you'll have a, a cold snap. But but they've yeah. survived, and in fact, the camellia bushes that we have got whacked by the the morning of, uh, uh, I think it was February 9th, uh, 1985. Oh, oh yeah. When it yeah. went down to minus 9, and, and some neighbor of ours said, oh, you ought to chop those down. But I said, no, no, we won't do that. And, and we didn't, and they've come back just fine. They've, they've, they've survived. But uh, it, yeah, it, that was the... Uh, that was uh, 1985, January 21st of uh, 1985, oh, yeah. yeah. That was a couple of we weeks ago. Uh, that's the record low for Raleigh, if I remember correctly. Minus 9, that's right. Minus and that same, that same morning, it got down to minus 34 degrees on Mount Mitchell. So that still holds as the uh, coldest recorded temperature here in North Carolina. Uh, uh, I just, and, and that doesn't mean, you know, that we won't. We've had some fairly mild winters lately, but occasionally... I can remember just about this date, about five or six years ago, we were having a fairly mild winter uh, up to that point. Um, and then that night, I think, uh, I had a guest, and I can remember his remarking that it was six degrees outside when we came out to go from the studio to our cars. And I don't like to reflect on that. I'd kind of like for it to stay the way it, stay the way it is. The, any yeah, other... I think that was in, um, I think that was in 2018, as a matter of fact, uh, just uh -huh. uh, uh, three years ago? Yeah, no. well, it, it, that, it could have been. I would have thought it was about five or six, but I've sort of uh, I've lost contact with the calendars lately, to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah, well, the, uh, the, record, the record low for, um, for January the 3rd uh, is nine degrees that was set in 2018. And okay. then uh, for January, January 7th of 2018, it got down to four degrees, I guess. That was at the RDU airport. Okay. Well, uh, uh, there, yeah, that, that the point.
point that I was aiming at there, too, is that you can have those snaps like that when it goes down real low when you are really having a generally overall warmer uh, condition. And and the fact that you're having a warm season doesn't mean you're not going to have some really, really cold days somewhere along the way. And uh, uh, I I was thinking my brother and I uh, were talking about a Christmas day we were out on during during the recent season. And I think it was plus four on that day, but it was very dry cold, so it wasn't as bad as it might have been otherwise. But uh, uh, anyway, well, I, the, uh, when you have that kind of Arctic air coming around, uh, it typically is very, very dry, and so uh, uh, you, you you know you can feel it because uh, everything you touch, you get shocked. It's like static electricity that uh, that uh, really comes about when you uh, rub on things in that very dry, cold air. I don't know if it's within the, your purview, and, uh, and indeed we're coming up on a break. But something we might talk about after the break, if you if you if you're a mind to, uh, is to not necessarily local, but this is 2020 was really a strange weather year because uh, with all the hurricanes, the 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 number that were predicted was exceeded, I think, by a few. And uh, while the hurricanes were ruining Louisiana. Uh, the question of whether California was going to burn down was there too. So it was a hellacious kind of year for for the weather uh, uh, to to be confronted. But maybe we can talk about that or something that you want to talk about right after we take this break. Okay. Former employee of the National Weather Service and now in private industry, and he gets to think about the weather just about all the time. when he's practicing his hobby, and I don't even—he's probably an amateur meteorologist or something like that. Uh, anything particularly <laughs> on your mind tonight that you want to draw to our attention, Rod? Well, you know, um, uh, you, you mentioned uh, uh, that I have worked with the National Weather Service here uh, locally, and of course, um, yeah, I spent most of my career in North Carolina forecasting uh, weather for North Carolina, and. The early days of the National Weather Service Forecast Office here, uh, when I came here in 1977, our responsibility was forecasting not just for the local area, but uh, for all of the state. Uh, and uh, so it's uh, it's been a good uh, laboratory for me uh, in, in terms of learning about the weather here in, in this part of, of the country and, and in general, because uh, you have such a diversity of uh, of. Uh, weather that goes on here in the state, given the the topography that you have from four to six thousand foot mountains in the west down to uh, the coastline, and then uh, waters on the Gulf Stream just off the shore of North Carolina that that typically get into the seventies and lower eighties that supply energy to storms that can form uh, along the coast. Especially as we head into this time of year, you get some tremendous contrast between the Gulf Stream, and uh, the interior part of North Carolina. And that, that temperature contrast is, is really what drives a lot of the, the storms that uh, develop into uh, nor'easters that go up the coast. And, uh, and we can get a real mix of uh, precipitation when that occurs, uh, everything from rain to freezing rain to sleet uh, and snow, and then back and forth and back and forth. And it can be a real test to try to uh, determine where that line's going to be and, and who's going to get the most uh, of any type of precipitation here in the state. So in the next few weeks, uh, we've got to be aware of that and, uh, and, uh, and certainly uh, uh, be aware that, that uh, you can be challenged by the different weather types here in North Carolina in the wintertime just 
just like you can anywhere else. One of the things you mentioned uh, before the break, too, was, uh, uh, you know, things like uh, the busy hurricane season here in the Atlantic. And, uh, and uh, one of the things that uh, my current job has allowed me to do is to think and, uh, and survey globally, you know, because the domain that I'm working with now is everywhere from Southeast Asia across the Pacific and, uh, and uh, all the way across North America and uh, the Atlantic all the way to the uh, Western Europe. And so that's a lot of place to look at, and I've learned a number of things uh, since I retired. And uh, you know very well it's nice to be able to learn things when you're, when you're in uh, retirement age, and uh, <laughs> you can learn them on your own, too. That's my, that's um, my hobby, yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as far as the hurricane situation, you mentioned a very, very busy season in the Atlantic. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of... Uh, information that takes into the perspective the entire globe and it's actually the Pacific uh, the Pacific had one of its quietest uh, um, hurricane or typhoon seasons ever uh, and, and and so it kind of counteracts what was happening in the Atlantic the other thing about the Atlantic was that the storms tended to be very short-term and, and relatively weak as far as uh, hurricanes are concerned so when you look at the total energy of uh, tropical cyclones around the globe, we actually had a down year, and that's hard to believe. It's almost counterintuitive given the, the kind of media attention that, uh, that the, uh, the Atlantic has been given this past uh, season. Uh, so uh, just a little context there, Tom, and, and probably I'm, I'm more aware of it simply because I've, uh, I've had to do both the Pacific and the Atlantic and. Uh, and try to advise people uh, about the uh, upcoming, you know, tropical situation in, in, in both basins. So, uh, so anyway, oh, uh, there is that. Uh, yes? I was going to say, one of the things I thought you were going to say is that when you look at the Atlantic Basin, though, awful lot of those storms in the numbers, you know, counting up to 30, originated not in, in across the Atlantic, you know, that long run or, or somewhere west of Barbados or somewhere, but in fact in the Caribbean and in the Gulf of Mexico. There were a number of them there, but there were also others that were you know, spread across the uh, Atlantic, oh, oh. too. Oh, yes. And yeah, some of them were well north. In fact, uh, some of them were, were located over relatively cool water, and there is a little bit of controversy about how some of these are categor categorized, because I know... Uh, back in the days when, when we were coordinating with the National Hurricane Center, and uh, sometimes uh, if, if a storm was too far north uh, over cooler water, they would uh, not call it a hurricane or a tropical storm anymore. It would be a subtropical at the best and, uh, and maybe just an extratropical storm uh, rather than a tropical storm. So some of the, some of the criteria have have changed a little bit over the years and uh, has allowed them to name storm systems, plus the fact that you have uh, continuous satellite uh, surveillance now over every part of the ocean so that if anything does get spun up, even if it's only 6 to 12 hours uh, in duration, it gets named. So a lot yeah. of that has to be taken into consideration. Yeah, I remember a couple of them even in the Gulf died within a day or two or didn't get, get or less than that. I mean, there were some that were just a matter of hours old and may have had only one gust of wind that, uh, that served that criteria. So, uh, so anyway, don't, I don't mean to throw, you know, 
uh, cold water on that, but but it has to be taken into context. So. Oh yeah, I'm, no, no. I'm sometimes we. I'm just trying to fish for what you have to say. One of the things, <laughs> and this will probably probably be our last item, is that I've learned from you is that sometimes when we haven't had, say, a hurricane for a while, or or a really bad ice storm or something. What we do is we, we have a situation that needs to be cleaned up, i.e. we've got a lot of brush, we've got a lot of trade items yeah. and stuff that uh, uh, have, is there to fall on power lines and so on. And uh, we haven't had a serious ice storm around here for, for several years. Uh, and uh, That's true. And, uh, and, I, can't, uh, I, I don't have off the tip of my mind uh, when the last uh, uh, bad ice storm we've had. I know we had that one uh, around 2004 in December of 2004 that uh, uh, that put the lights out for many people for a couple of days uh, with uh, like well, a half I, to three quarters of an inch of ice. Well, but, like uh, I don't recall anything in the, in the recent years, though. No, no, but it, but it, it does create a uh, a more uh, a situation to beware of and and to prepare for. You know, if you're gonna to prepare for uh, heat and electricity and, and the kind of things you'll need when the power goes out and so on, it's much more likely to occur. Well, right. I think we have we have done the job here tonight, and I'm glad you could come and talk to us this early in the season, and uh, I hope you will be willing to come back uh, along the way and talk to us about the weather. And we've got, according to a meteorological time, about two months, left in the winter because I think you, you guys count it December, January, and February is winter, and then the 1st of March is when spring comes, although astronom astronomical spring doesn't come until about, I think, March 21st, if I remember correctly. But yeah, anyway. Tom, Tom the, uh, our, uh, the, the midpoint of our heavy snow season, if you want to call it that, but I, I look back at the records, and the midpoint of our snow season is about February 12th. So we've got a ways to go yet. Oh, uh, yeah. Normally, uh, the heavy snows are going to occur anywhere from the uh, last week of January to about the first week of March. So hang on to your uh, hang on to your hat and uh, keep warm. And stay tuned. Well, thank you, Rod. We'll talk to you later, okay? Rod Gunsky. Take care, Tom. Bye. Meteorologist uh, with a look at the weather uh, on WPTF. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to wax nostalgic. We hope you'll join us then.